morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here at our 10 a.m. service. We're also excited to have those joining us online. It's kind of funny. I was looking there from uh, my seat uh, as uh, she was praying. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, and we have people joining us, Florida, California, Texas. It's just always interesting. So we welcome them. Uh, and we say to you, like we say to them, don't just watch us. Share us from our page to your page on Facebook because, again, it just kind of multiplies the amount of people that will be able to see this service either today or maybe sometime this week uh, when they're stalking you and looking on your page and seeing what you've been looking at. So again, we invite you to, to share this from our page to your page because again, it just multiplies how many people will see us and that amazing song that we just sang. Can I get an amen in the house? Boy, it will. That, that's an oldie but goodie and I'm telling you, you get the right person singing that. Uh, and we have the right people up here, and man, I'm telling you, they can move heaven and earth. It's just amazing what God can do in the, in the power of music. You know, uh, when we started this series a couple of weeks ago, we did it, and I told you that there are just some things that it's really hard for people to understand, but there are just some things that you can't describe. It's just simply hard to describe something with words. Uh, again, you can use descriptions, you can use metaphors to help people understand things, but, but oftentimes things are, are really, listen, listen, things are really understood, not when they're talked about, but instead people can really kind of grasp, they can really understand things when they can see those things actually lived out with their own eyes, when they see other people doing things. So in the first week of this series, we, we let a couple of verses from Galatians kind of serve as the foundation. I don't know whether that foundation is the word or anchor is the word, but uh, there are two verses that, that are in, the, in, in Galatians that are, are really, they, they kind of focus on uh, the character traits uh, that the Holy, want, the Holy Spirit wants to develop and to form in us, and, and not just to develop in us or to form in us, these are character traits that the Holy Spirit wants to actually allow others to see in our lives when they, when they look at us. That's why I tell you that I came up with the name of this series or the title of this series is Don't Tell Me, Show Me. So I want to look at those, those verses those in Galatians chapter 5, and it's not going to be on the screen, but, but I'm going to read it. Here's what it says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit because they're called the fruits of the Spirit, the character traits that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in your life and in my life. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, those are the fruits of the Spirit. And, and in the first week of this series, we, we talked about how love and kindness are just kind of inseparable. Because really, when you think about kindness, kindness is simply action. It's simply love in action. And, and if you were with us last week, we looked at the fruit of joy and the fruit of goodness. And we talked about how those two things are kind of like love and kindness, those two things, joy and goodness, those are two things that go hand in hand. And we learned how that last week, that when we take the time to put other people first, that you, you, you understand that when you put other people in front of yourself, that's really the catalyst for you and I to live a life of great joy. So as we get started this morning, we're going to move from the two on the first week and two on the second week, we're going to move to three traits or three characteristics or three fruit, fruits of the Spirit. And here are those three fruits. Peace, patience, and gentleness. And again, here's the thing I want to do this morning. I want to make this really simple for you to understand because sometimes when you talk about things out of Scripture or things out of the Bible, people will say, and again, I say this, and I get a little bit of flack from this from those, you know, haughty-taughty preachers who, when I say this, because I, I, I try to take it and make it where you understand it. Some people would say I dumb it down, and I kind of do dumb it down. But here's the thing. I, I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I want you to walk out of here and know totally what I said, and you're going to understand. Everything I said comes straight out of the Scripture, and it is theologically correct. So I'm going to make this really simple for you this morning. And the way I'm going to do that is when we talk about those three things, 
I'm going to give you three different sentences that you can walk out of here and say, okay, I know about those three characteristics, those three fruits of the Spirit, and now I totally understand those. And, and the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to begin all three of these sentences in the same way. Because I want you to understand how the Holy Spirit grows these characteristics, grows these fruits of the Spirit in your life. So all three of these sentences are going to look like this. When I talk about gentleness, I'm going to tell you gentleness grows when? Or I'm going to tell you patience grows when? And then I'm going to finish the sentence. Or I'm going to say peace grows when? And then I'm going to finish that sentence. So let's start with gentleness because, again, gentleness is one of those things that's really hard to talk about because when you talk about gentleness, you have to realize that, that we live in a world where people are, are, are compelled to kind of live by the rules. I've got to live, if I'm going to get ahead, I've got to, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I've got to live by the world's rules. And, and we think we must live by the world's rules because oftentimes, let me tell you what you see. And those watching online, you see gentleness as weakness. I mean, think about it. You call a man, say he's gentle. You know what most men would say? That's an insult. I mean, you, you don't fill out a resume tomorrow morning for a job and put gentleness as a characteristic of who you are. That's not what people do. I mean, think about the the, the government... The Marines aren't looking for a few gentleness people. You know what I'm saying? They're not looking for gentlemen. I mean, when you think about a gentle person, you might see them as a nice person. Again, you might think of a gentle person as somebody who tiptoes through the tulip and doesn't want to step on the flowers. I mean, think about it. Gentle people are not the kind of people that you want on the Nashville Predators to win the Stanley Cup. That's not what you want. But when it comes to gentleness... I think most of us have an understanding, misunderstanding, of what gentleness actually means. Because when the Bible talks about gentleness, it doesn't use it in the context of meaning that somebody is weak or that somebody is frail. So this morning, I, I, want, to look, I want you to look behind me because... You need to understand what gentleness truly is because this is gentleness. This is the Bible's definition of gentleness. Gentleness is power under control. That's what gentleness is. We're going to leave that up there a minute. That's what gentleness is, power under control. Take a picture of it. Write it down. That's what You want to know what gentleness is? It's not somebody who's frail. It's not somebody who is weak. It is power under control. It's like somebody who takes a horse who is wild and powerful, but through their power, they turn around and they break that horse. It's power under control. And when you think about it, wouldn't you and I, wouldn't we all be the people that God wanted us to be if we all had power under control? I mean, think about it tomorrow, today. When your teenager busts into the house, runs through the house, goes into their room, turns on the music so loud it sounds like an atomic explosion, what do they need? They need power under control. When parents scream at their kids for doing things that kids do. I mean, when you're screaming at your children for doing, thing that doing things that children do, what do you need? You need power under control. When an adult loses it and uses language that makes their face turn red and everybody else's turn blue, what do they need? They need power under control. So that's what I'm helping you understand. Gentleness, listen, is your power under God's control. Your power under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what gentleness is. 
And I can just tell you, there isn't a person here in this auditorium or listening or watching online who doesn't need some help in this area of their life because all of us need power under control. We all need help. As a matter of fact, here's what's interesting. The very friends of Jesus needed that very help. I mean, think about it this morning. Even the closest friends of Jesus needed that help. They needed help with gentleness. They needed help with power under control. And and again, when I think about the friends of Jesus, I think about the three closest friends of Jesus, James, John, and Peter. I mean, these were some guys who had some rough edges. And we find the very need that they had recorded in Luke chapter 9, where it gives us some insight as Jesus and his disciples are making their way to Jerusalem. And so on the way there, Jesus had made the decision that they were going to stop in Samaria. So Jesus, on the way to Jerusalem, sends John and James ahead and tells them, hey, you guys go into Samaria and tell Motel 6 to leave the light on for us because we're going to be coming there. And so they do. They actually go there. But here's the thing. The Samaritans had already heard about it. The Samaritans had already gotten word that Jesus and his followers were coming, and they had already made the decision that, you know what, we're not going to welcome Jesus and his followers into Samaria. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans wanted absolutely nothing to do with Jesus and his followers. But when they found that out, this is what makes James and John blow a gasket. They became irate. And here's what Luke recorded for us about this very thing in verse 54 of chapter 9. It says, when the disciples James and John found this out, when they saw this, they asked, Lord, don't you want us to call down fire from heaven so that we can destroy them? Now think about that. How's that for gentleness? How's that for power under control? I mean, look at the verse behind me. Wouldn't you agree, like I do, that they needed power under control? I mean, even Peter, who was, you know, the best friend of Jesus, had some rough edges. I mean, think about Peter. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. And and you look at when when they came to to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter just loses it. He loses it so bad, he takes a sword and he chops off the ear of the servant of the high priest. It was Peter who pushed past John at the tomb. It was Peter who denied Christ three times after claiming that he would die before he would ever do such a thing. So it's no wonder that Jesus had this to say in verse 41 of chapter 9. Look at what he says. How long... Must I be with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Now look at those words. Look at the words behind me. How many times did you say that over the last two years? When you were cooped up with people and you couldn't go anywhere. How long do I have to put up with you? How long do I have to be with you? I mean, these are the friends of Jesus. These are the guys that were with Jesus. These are the guys that had some rough edges. But even with those rough edges, listen, 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 listen. Even with those rough edges, Jesus looked at those guys, James and John and Peter, and he knew when he looked at them that they had potential. If they would start to tap in to his strength, and to his power. If they would just tap into his strength and his power, here's what Jesus knew. He knew that he could change them. Jesus knew that James and John and Peter, I'm just using those three, they could be effective tools that ultimately would impact the world. And again, we know history because that's exactly what happened. 
These three guys that we're talking about, Peter, James, and John, they became pillars of the Jesus movement. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, and you and I are still feeling the impact of the lives of James and John and Peter. So much so that that, that's the reason that Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. Look at what he says. He says, come to me, all of ye, you who are weary, (laughs) excuse me, you who are weary and carry burdens. I got one right now. And I will give you rest. Praise God. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest. Now, what Jesus is saying is this. If you'll just link up with me. Now, think about this. If you'll just link up with me, why would we want to link up with Jesus? Because Jesus is gentle. He's the gentle one. If you'll just link up with him. He's going to allow you to have power under control because that's who God is. That's how God is. Now, listen to what I'm saying. God is a gentle God. If God is a gentle God, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean he's weak. It doesn't mean that Jesus is weak. Because think about it. Jesus goes toe-to-toe facing temptations. And he held strong. Jesus walked into the temple and threw out the thieves and the money changers. Jesus used harsh words to describe the spiritual leaders of his day, and he confronted them when those spiritual leaders were misrepresenting God's word. Now think about this. Jesus courageously endured the cross. And let me tell you this morning, because you may have never thought of it like this, it might just be at the cross. That's the place that we see the greatest demonstration of gentleness that the world has ever seen. Because Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, he could have called down fire from heaven. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and take care of the people who were murdering him. But here's the thing. Think about it like this. In an amazing demonstration on the cross, Jesus, in an amazing demonstration of power under control, Jesus carried our sins to the cross. Why would Jesus do that? Because he knew that nobody else could. And let me tell you what that shows you. It shows you this morning just how much he loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Last week, last month, last year, last night, Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what you did. Now think about it. Without gentleness, without power under control, the most important events in the history of the world, those things would have never happened. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, without power under control, without gentleness, listen, listen, without gentleness, those things would have never happened. I mean, after his resurrection, Jesus told Peter, James, and John, and his other followers, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so they went to Jerusalem, and they waited. And just like Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit came up on them. And from that point on, everything in this world changed. I mean, Peter, the guy who denied Jesus three times, 
That same Peter who denied Jesus three times stands up and proclaims that this Jesus that they killed, that that was the God, he was the God that had come to save them. James and John, those two who were ready to, 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 to call down fire from heaven and burn up the Motel 6 in Samaria, they have left a mark on the church that will forever be felt. I mean, think about it. King Herod put James to death with a sword simply because James was such a passionate follower of Jesus. His brother John left us the Gospel of John 1, 2, and 3. And as well, he left us the book of Revelation. Now think about it, without gentleness, without power under control, all three of those guys, Peter, James, and John, you know what would happen to their lives? They would have self-destructed. But everything changed. The rough edges were softened when they submitted their power to the control of the Holy Spirit. And so here we are today at Crossroads Church on April the 3rd of 2022, 2,000 years later. And that same Holy Spirit that, roughened the, uh, that softened the rough edges of Peter, James, and John, that same Holy Spirit wants to do that in your life. He wants to soften the rough edges in your life. So here I'm going to make this as simple as possible. And I'm going to give you this sentence, and here it is, right, right on the screen behind me. Gentleness grows when? When we submit our power to the Holy Spirit's control. That's how the Holy Spirit grows that characteristic in your life. You want to know how it happens? Gentleness grows when we submit our power to the Holy Spirit's control. And you may say, Randy, that, well, let me just say it this way. If that's not happening in your life, then it's one of two reasons. Either you have never given your life to Christ, you have never accepted Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, and you don't have the Holy Spirit working in you, or you've accepted Jesus but at the same time that you've accepted Jesus, you're not abiding in him. You're not abiding in Jesus. So here's the thing. In either case, which is one or two, today could be your day. Could, today could be the day for you that changes everything. Because today could be the day that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. This could be the day that not only do you receive God's grace, but you receive his power. Why would you need his power? So that you can be the best version of yourself, the best thing that he created you to be. This could be the day that you stop trying to do things on your own and you start turning back in God's direction. And instead of, rely, instead of relying on your power, you rely on his power. Because gentleness grows, listen, listen, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and we submit our power to his control. The same God that did this in the lives of James and John and Peter can do it in your life and those watching online. When you submit your power, to his control. I, I love this next verse that I'm going to show you and how it connects. It really connects to where we are today. Uh, it's actually found in Ephesians 4, verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, here's the thing. I want you to understand because in, in the first two weeks of this series and kind of again today, the thing I want you to see in this verse is there's a connection. There's a connection between gentleness 
and patience. That's why I highlighted those words. Gentleness grows as patience grows. Again, when you think about it, one of the biggest culprits of of us losing our power under control is actually impatience. That's one of the biggest things that causes us to lose our power under control is we're just not patient. So let's move on from gentleness and let's talk about the characteristic. Let's talk talk about the, the fruit of the spirit of patience. Because if there's one thing that's true about all of us in this room and those watching and joining us online, the one thing is that we hate to wait. Amen? I mean, we just hate to wait. We're a microwave society. I want it and I want it now. You hate to hear the words, let me put you on hold. Wait just a minute. I'll be with you in a moment. Waiting is one of the hardest things that you and I are going to do. And the thing that's interesting is this, this thing called impatience, it crosses all income levels and demographic lines. I mean, think about it, the rich, the poor, the middle class, they all get impatient. And listen to me, when the level of patience is running low in somebody's life, you better watch out. So so maybe you're sitting there wondering, how does the Holy Spirit change my impatience to patience? I need to know that, and I need to know it right now. (laughs) How does that work, Randy? I need to know, and I need to know know now. Well, let let me give you the second sentence, and here's the second sentence, because again, I told you they all begin the same. Patience grows when we endure trials, and nobody likes this part of the message. That's how the Holy Spirit grows the characteristic, the fruit of the Spirit of patience. Patience grows when you go through things. Patience grows when you endure trials. And most of you think, you know what, I don't think that's what, most of you think it would happen just the opposite way. But instead, God, listen, God allows trials to come into our lives where we are tempted to be impatient. God puts us in situations that will stretch our patience levels. Look with me at James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Now, this is going to read a little different than what most of you are familiar with, but I was intentional about that because I wanted you to see this. This is the Phillips translation. It says, when all kinds of trials and and temptations crowd into our lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you the characteristic, the fruit, the quality of patience. What does that say? It simply says that God wants to use all the difficulties that you're going through. God wants to use all of those difficult situations that you're going through. He's going to use those to grow patience in your life. He wants to grow patience in you. So he's going to use all the things that you're going through. Because here's the thing, when you've been through a pretty good trial... You start to, to look at some of the things that you used to really get, you know, unnerved about. When you've been through something that's really big, you start to see all of those other things that used to really bend you out of shape. You start to understand, you know, those things really don't matter. Those things really aren't that important. I mean, think about it. Traffic jams. I mean, what about just letting the traffic now? Waiting in line. When we had to wear a mask, when we had to social distance, let me tell you, all of those things pale in comparison when you've had to go through something that's big. And the honest truth this morning is this, those people 
who have been through less difficulties in their lives, those are the people who tend to be less patient than those of us who have been through a lot. And honestly, this is where some of you are right now. I know where you are because you, you tell me, you text me, you send me an email. You write down a prayer request. Some of you right now are in a waiting place. And let me tell you this morning, if you find yourself in a place of waiting, then you just need to understand that the Holy Spirit is trying to grow something in you. The Holy Spirit is trying to grow patience in you, that characteristic, that fruit of the Spirit. I mean, think about it. Some of you are waiting to get pregnant. You want, you want to have a child. Some of you are waiting for a promotion. Some of you are waiting for a new job. Some of you are waiting for the doctor to call you with the results of the test that you had a couple of weeks ago. Some of you find yourself in a period of waiting. And let me tell you, when you find yourself in that place, the Holy Spirit desires to grow, to produce patience in you. Think about it. Just think about the Scripture. All you have to do is pick up your Bible and you will simply see that every person that God used in a mighty way, all of those people, they went through things that tested them. They went through trials that God used to grow patience in their life. I mean, just think about it. Noah went to, to, to Home Depot or to Lowe's and got all the wood to build the ark, but then he had to wait 120 years for the first drop of rain. Abraham hated, had to wait 100 years to be able to father a child with Sarah. Moses waited 80 years for God to call him to lead his people from slavery to freedom. And Israel waited centuries for the Messiah. The disciples waited in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. So let's go back and look at the words of James. James chapter 1. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd their way into your life, don't resent them as, intruder, as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you, to grow in you, the quality of patience. Gentleness grows when we submit our power to the control of the Holy Spirit. Patience grows when we endure trials. Here's the last sentence I'm going to give you this morning to help you understand how the Holy Spirit works and grows these characteristics. Peace. Peace grows, grows when you focus on what you know to be true about God. Somebody needs to grab onto this this morning. Because I'm just going to tell you people, I'm just going to prophesy, that's all you got. That's really all you got. What you know to be true about God. This is my time of year. I love my basketball. And I miss my dad all the time, but I really miss him now because he was a big basketball player, basketball in high school and all that kind of stuff. And we would, you know, did you see that shot? Did you hear that? Did you watch that game? But, you know, I, 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 you can't get a hold of him now. I mean, I mean, he's, you know, he's gone. He's, he, he's out of here. He's in a much better place. <laughs> he would have been disappointed with Kentucky, I will tell you that, because that's where he was from. But this is my time of year. I love basketball more than anything. And Friday night, I was watching the women's NCAA Final Four, Louisville and South Carolina. And the thing I find that's interesting in any basketball game, and it, you know, it goes neck and neck and neck and neck, and all of a sudden somebody makes a run, and the game starts getting out of the control of one of the people. What, what do they do instantly? Time out, time out, time out. 
You see, you see the coach pacing up and down. You know, I don't know. How they, I mean, they're, they're pacing up and down here, and they're doing this. And you can read some of them, them words they're saying, and they're not the best words in the world, the most edifying words in the world. But again, you know, and all of a sudden when things are out of control, they go, pop up, time out, time out, time out. They got to get the game back under control. And here's the thing. That's exactly the thing that the prophet Isaiah does in Isaiah 26. The prophet Isaiah calls a timeout because, again, things look like they're getting out of control. And here's what he says. Look, look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. He says, you will keep in perfect peace. There's that fruit of the Spirit. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. What is that saying? Leave, leave that up there, Alex. What is that saying? Look, look at what it says. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Fixed. Fixed is the word you need to pay attention to. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to stay focused on what you know to be true about God. You may be in the middle of a peace buster right now, but if you're in the middle of something that's busting your peace, you know what you need to do? You need to keep yourself fixed on what you know to be true about God. When things in your life are headed in the wrong direction, when, ga when the game isn't going in your favor, you know what you need to do? You need to do what the coach did last night and the night before and what Isaiah did in Isaiah 26. You need to call a timeout and you need to focus on what you know to be true about God. Focus on his track record. Focus on God's ability to stay with you in the midst of what I call a peace buster. That's why I tell you, you need to memorize scripture. You need to meditate on scripture. You need to bring that in. You need that stuff. That stuff needs to be occupying a place in your heart because when you go through a peace buster, you need to be able to bring that stuff. You need to know the things that are true about God, that he will never leave you or forsake you. That he's with you in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through. And let me just be honest with you this morning. It's hard for maybe some people to understand, but for those that were here before COVID, I mean, you get it. I mean, we're a much smaller church now than we used to be. We're probably 35% of what we used to be, 40. Can I just share something with you? I, I, I was talking with a, another pastor this week, and we were talking about the difficulty of ministry right now, of just doing church, getting people to, to serve and to give and to attend and and, and we were talking back and forth, and as I was talking to him, I mean, I literally started to cry. Because the, the thing that you don't understand is, even though we're a much smaller church now, it can be overwhelming for me to hear what you're having to go through on a daily basis. When I have to hear the things that you're going through in your life on a daily basis, because let me just tell you, and, and don't misunderstand, when I hear what you're going through, it just wears me down. My world gets rocked by the pain that our church is experiencing, going through. And you know what I do? I can look at where we are now, and I can look at where we need to go and the things that we have to try to accomplish, and I can see those things, and I see all the worst-case scenarios. And that's when I have to go, you know, i got to call a timeout. And I have to remember what I know to be true about God. I remember that no matter what I have done, He has never left me or forsaken me. I remember that greater is He that is in me than He that's in the world. I remember that if God is for me, that nobody can be against me. 
I have to remember that there's nothing that can separate me from his love. I have to remember that, 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 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That death has no sting. That death has no victory over a grace-transformed follower of Jesus. And you know what I have to remember above, not above all else, but it just sets in my mind right now that even right now, listen to me, even right now while you are sitting here listening to me, he's preparing a place for me in heaven right now that I can't even begin to describe to you. So if you want to keep in perfect peace, then you have to focus on the things that you know to be true about God. Because peace grows when you and I take the time to focus on those things that we know to be true about God. And patience grows when we endure trials. And gentleness grows when we submit our power to the Holy Spirit's control. And that's what I want you to hear me say. More than ever, I think God is calling us to be those people to be people of peace, to be people of gentleness, and to be people of patience. I think God is saying to you this morning through me, I think God is saying to you this morning, in the midst of all the uncertainty out there, people, in the midst of all the uncertainty in your world, I think God is saying, I want you as my follower to go out there and model for others to see what a person looks like who's controlled by the Holy Spirit. I want them to see it in your life instead of you having to tell them about it. Just imagine what this world would look like if all of us did that. If all of us submitted our power our patience, our anxiety to the Holy Spirit's control. Imagine what it would be like to, to move through your day with a sense of gentleness and patience and peace. Imagine instead of looking at other people with hostility and hatefulness, that instead you would just welcome those people into your world. Imagine what it would be like to never again use words that wound the souls of other people. Imagine what it would be like to never have to look into the eyes of a child and see in their eyes fear or resentment or hurt or hate. Imagine never having to go through the guilt of having flown off at the handle and said things to people that you wish you could take back. Just imagine what it would be like to be an oasis of power and patience and peace under control in this mad, angry, hate-filled world. It can happen if we, if we will just cooperate, you and I, if we'll just cooperate with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. It can happen. We can be that oasis of peace and gentleness and patience. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room, even those watching online? If your power is not under God's control, I said it a while ago, it's one of two reasons. Either you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're not abiding in Jesus. And I'll tell you this morning, whether you're in this room or watching us, listening to us online, you can do that today. Today could be the day that changes everything. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. Just acknowledge Him for who He is. Jesus, I believe that you are everything that you say that you are. And I turn from my life, a life that's been lived under my power, and I submit that to your power. I believe that you are the Son of God who gave his life on the cross, the, the perfect example of gentleness, the greatest example of gentleness, as you endured the pain of my sin 
And you know what? You can acknowledge before God this morning that you don't have all the answers. Because you know what? Even as a pastor, I don't have all the answers. But I have the answer, and that's Jesus Christ. Crucified, buried, and resurrected. And we'll be celebrating that in a couple of weeks. Just pray that prayer under your own voice, in your own words. He understands. For the rest of us, are you abiding in Jesus? So that the Holy Spirit can grow these characteristics in your life. What is it this morning that you need to submit? God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this place. We thank you that here there's an altar that's open always. And if we feel the need, we can come and we can lay it down. We thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love for your peace and your patience that you give us. We're thankful for the gentleness of Jesus and his ability to go to the cross on our behalf. God, we ask you to use this day, this time, these songs, these words in a way that only you can. God, we love you and we pray this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.